Bibles and turn to Psalm 119. This morning our verses will be verses 9 through 16 of Psalm 119. I think if you would use, if you'd like to use a, a Bible from the pew in front of you, you could grab that and turn to page 512. That would also get you to Psalm 119. And uh, So let's read these. These are God's words for us this morning. And here's what God says. How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I have stored up your word in my heart that I may not sin against you. Uh, Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. With my lips I declare all the rules of your mouth. In the way of your testimonies, I delight as much as in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes. On your, word, on your ways. I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. You may be seated. Father, thank you for your word. There, there, there is no word like your word. Everything about your word is true and perfect. And so, Father, our prayer this morning, having now read this portion of your word, is that now the same Spirit of God who who penned these words for us through the psalmist, would now etch these words in our souls, that you would now teach us, and and that in teaching us, we would behold wonderful things from your word. Change us, Father, for we pray this in Christ's name. Well, verse 9 uh, orients us to, if you would, the subject matter of this particular unit of Psalm 119. Now, remember, there's 176 verses in Psalm 119, and it's structured around um, 22 units of, of eight verses apiece. It, it, each, each unit is tethered to the corresponding letter of the Hebrew alphabet. Uh, and so this is that we are now into the second unit, um, and uh, the verse 9 orients us to um, really what the controlling thought is of verses 9 through 11. It, it asks the question, how can a young man keep his way pure? Now, let me just give you a heads up. If you're not in that category, if you're an old man, or if you're not a man at all, if you're a lady, uh, this, it, it, certainly this is not suggesting that you should tune out and, um, and go to la-la land for the next few moments. I, 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 I think he's very poignantly, in a poetical way, focusing in on the purity, if you would, of young men. But, but everything he says in this unit in answering this question is pertinent for us, no matter who we are, no matter how old we are, uh, and wherever we're coming from. This is God's word for all people. And, uh, and so he's asking, though, poetically, how can a young man keep his way pure? Now, I still, I'm still inclined to think that Daniel 
either had something to, to do with writing this psalm or, or this psalm is a bit of a, bi- a poetical, biographical script of Daniel's life. And you certainly know if you studied anything about Daniel in the book of Daniel, uh, he, uh, he was carried off into exile, into captivity, uh, where he was harangued and harassed. And, and yet in the midst of that, he wanted to focus, if you would, on the purity of his life. And, and perhaps even now, he's as an aging man reflecting back on those earlier years. But either way, um, he's asking the question for us, and he's going to provide a, an answer for us. How can a young man keep his way pure? How do you do that, in other words? This is a practical question. Um, how, how do we get there? There is a path to follow in the pursuit of purity. Purity is a journey of life that we embark upon. We we pursue to go down this trail rather than that trail. Uh, And and, and what what the psalmist is, is asking, what the psalmist wants us to grapple with in these verses is um, what does the path of purity look like? What does it look like to pursue that path? Now, we already know why he's interested in pursuing that path. I mean, he, he gave us the, in, the, in the introductory observations in verse 1 of Psalm 119 where he, he lays it out for us, blessed are those whose way is blameless. Now, blameless is a different word than purity, but I sure think they're cousin of words. They're, there's, a, there's an overlapping correspondence to the, what they connote and what they, what they mean. And so what he's already told us from the get-go is that the, the way to, to experience genuine happiness is to walk a way of blamelessness, to let that be the path that guides our life. And so, so that having said, uh, he, since he knows that happiness is tethered to seeking God, happiness is tethered to seeking God through His Word in such a way that we reflect the very virtue and character of God in the direction of our lives. He's, he's already told us that's the pathway of happiness as far as he's concerned. And so he says, well, how do I get on that path and how do I stay on that path? You know, asking the, the, the questions that you and I ask in life reflect and say much about the posture of of our hearts. And in particular, asking how to do something in in life um, reflects what it is we really want to pursue. I mean, for instance, just in life in general, if you want to figure out how to do something, you're like, how do I do that? Well, of course, what you and I do for most part is then we Google it. How do I do this? You know, and then Google tells us, how do we do this? You know, and it's a goldmine of, of, of resource to tell us how to do something. And yet, you and I wouldn't bother Googling how to do something if it wasn't valuable or important for us to do that. Like, I don't want to know how to do that. Who cares how to do that? What loser wants to do that? You know, so, but but we, we Google that because we want to know what that consists of and what that, what that looks like. And so he asks, how do, how, do I, how do I keep my way pure? And his quick and immediate answer uh, is, 
The second part of verse 9, by guarding it according to your word. Guarding it. It. What's the it there? Well, how do I keep my way pure? How, I keep my way pure by guarding my way uh, in accordance with the word. Now, now that's, the, that's the immediate answer. He's got much more he wants to say to us that flows out of this notion of guarding it, guarding my way according to uh, God's word. And I want to look at those two points. They're there as an insert in your bulletin, if that's helpful for you um, uh, to, uh, to follow along that way and jot down notes. But I'm going to divide verses 9 through 16 into two segments. And, and both of these segments uh, relate to this question of how do, how do we keep our way pure? By guarding it according to your word. And yet the first movement, verses 9 through 12, answers that question from I, what I would say is addressing some of the underlying assumptions about our lives that, that contribute to guarding our way according to God's Word. And, and the other thing about verses 9 through 12 is the mood is very serious. There's a, there's a gravity to the pursuit of purity, a seriousness. Uh, but, then, but then there's a mood shift in verses 13 through 16. The, 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 the matter is still pursuing purity, but rather than looking at serious assumptions or grave or, or assumptions of, of pursuing purity, there, are, there, there, there is, a, there is a, an uptick in mood. It, it, the mood is one of delight. Uh, and so there, there's, if you would, glad actions toward the pursuit of purity. Let's look at those one at a time. Serious assumptions and satisfying uh, actions in pursuit of purity. So, under the notion, verses 9 through 12, of, of serious assumptions, there's a gravity uh, about pursuing purity. And, and, and the, the psalmist seems to interact back and forth in each verse between what I would call serious resolutions, what he is resolving to do, but, but also serious realizations, something that he needs in, in order to perform what he's resolving to do. Uh, so first of all, in, in verse 10, which then I think gives us a wonderful description of what purity consists of. I've, I've used the word already a gazillion times, but I've not really described the word to us or defined it. Um, but, I, but I think verse 10 helps us in that. The, the psalmist resolves um, uh, to seek out God. Look at how he says that in verse 10. With my whole heart I will seek you. He's already said in verse 2, blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with their whole heart. Now, I pause there for a second because I think we're on to something that is very crucial in our understanding of what we're discussing when we're discussing purity. Purity is a heart issue. Purity consists of a deep focus. Purity revolves around Something 
we're seeking to serve, something that we're seeking to have serve as the center of our lives. It's a pursuit. I say that because a lot of times the, the, the first place we might be uh, thinking to go when we think of purity is a list of actions. I'm pure if I do these actions, and I'm not pure if I do these actions. And so I come up with two lists, and, and the pursuit of purity then just becomes list-keeping. I do this, and I don't do that, therefore I am pure. Now, certainly, purity consists of things that we either do or don't do, but that's not the core of purity. Purity is not just a series of actions we either commit to or refrain from. Purity is a deeper focus than just simply a behavioral modification of sorts. Uh, purity is, is, as he's told us in verse 2 and verse 10, that purity is about a heart devotion to God. that, That we want to try to stay focused upon God. That we want God to be at the center of our lives so that everything else we do in life is, is, is tainted by, is controlled by, by a center focus upon God in our lives. It's like... Well, what, I mean, I don't know what I should do tomorrow. I mean, it's Monday. I mean, should I get up and go to work or should I center my life on God? I mean, I, I don't know what I should do tomorrow. Should I, should I go to school or should I stay home and center my life on God? Now, th- that, those are not the, the, the category options we have here. It, 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 having God as the center of our life is, is what, what at, at the heart of it consists of a of a purity of life, but, and yet out of that censure, that then controls how we then address every other nook and cranny and facet of our lives. So I, so I got to go to work tomorrow. So what does it look like to go to work tomorrow uh, seeking a purity of life with God as, as, as the center? Uh, what, is it, what does it look like to go to school tomorrow with, with, with a purity of life that's centered upon God? How, how does God want me to go to school tomorrow? Or how does God want me to go to work tomorrow? No, but so purity is at its at its at the centrality of it. It is a focus upon God, a deep pursuit of God. Um, it's not just a moral code. It's not just a set of actions. And so the psalmist, in seeking this the the purity of life, says, "I I want." I want with my whole heart to seek God. What a magnanimous pursuit. I I mean, honestly, at the heart of of the entire universe, you and I were made to live in relationship with the God who made us. That was a part of his core design of making you and I to begin with. Out of the overflow of his own love and joy, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, our triune God, not because he lacked something, but because he had too much of something, if you would. He had an overflow of love and joy that that it just seemed fitting and right out of the overflow of love and joy, not to obtain love and joy, but 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 to 
give away some of his own love and joy. He opted to create people like you and I, that, that we might then be taken up into that love and joy between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You, so you and I, we are never more human than, than when we are aspiring to have God at the center of our lives. You and I are never more alive when, 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 when we are seeking to live a, a kind of pure life that seeks God with all that we are and all that we have. He's resolute about that. It's a serious resolution. Second thing he is resolute about uh, is in verse 11. I have stored up your word in my heart that I may not sin against you. In a sense, uh, almost verse 10 and verse 11 are almost 1A and 1B of the same point, and yet we differentiate those because, because if, we, if, we, if we are resolved to do the first thing, I want to seek the Lord with my whole heart, then, then, then we, we should be engaged in the second thing, and that is how do I stockpile, how do I store up God's word in my heart. You know, we have to really be careful that we don't like split apart these two realities. It's just like, you know, I really want to seek God. I mean, I want to be earnest and genuine about that, but I just have no interest in God's word. I just, I just have no desire or no commitment toward God's word. And that, that's, just a, that's just a radically foreign con, uh, concept of splitting those two things apart. No, to seek the God of the word, we are also buying into the thought of then storing up the word of God in our heart. And in fact, this is a very, this is a very humbling gut check here. But on the one hand, I dare say there's probably hardly not any of us that say this morning as we've gathered, I don't want anything to do with seeking God. I just wish that guy would be quiet for a minute. You know, no, we're here because for some reason we're, we have a curiosity or a commitment to want to seek God. And, and yet, if we connected the dots and say, so, so the, the concept, yeah, I want to see God sign me up. I'll take two. Uh, but, but then it translates into, well, then... How are, how are we absorbing and intaking God's Word into our hearts and lives? You take the concept, I want to see God. Oh, you bet I do. And, and you then put that into a tangible, concrete um, resolution. And so, therefore, I, I, want to, I want to absorb God's Word in, in my heart. And then a, a third thing he does here by way of resolution. We'll come back and look at each of these verses in a second under his realizations. But the, the, the third thing he resolves is he resolves there in verse 12. Blessed are you, O Lord. He resolves to sing of the worth of God. Now, so follow the progression here. What has he resolved? Verse 10, I resolved to seek the Lord with my whole heart. Verse 11, I, 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 I resolved to do that through the means of God's word. I want to store up God's word in my heart. And then what, what is the outcome of that? How, do, how, do, how, how, how can we, what's the metrics by which we can measure uh, the progress in terms of seeking God through storing up his word? Then there's an eruption out of our hearts onto our lips. We, we want to speak or Sing, if you would, of the worth and the praises of God. So, even hit this for a second. Connecting the dots, 
why do we sing in, as a part of the worship service? Well, on the, one hand, on the one hand, it is true that by singing in the worship service, we can help others in their worship of God. That is true. That's a, there's a part of it. But on the other hand, um, it, it's, it's not the music per se that creates a worship in our hearts. It is God and His Word that creates a worship in our hearts. And singing becomes the expression of that worship of God by, by what, what He has shown us and taught us in His Word. And so we, we gather with a resolution, we've got to sing about this God. I mean, have you seen how wonderful He is? Have you seen how beautiful He is? Have you seen how majestic He is? You, you think I can keep quiet about that? But see, that all assumes that, that, that we have sought Him and that we've seen some things about Him in His Word and therefore there's a, there's a problem with containment. We can't contain in our hearts what we're soaking up through His Word and it has to spill over into boasting or bragging or praising or are um, worshiping Him. So the psalmist wants purity. He, he wants a singular focus upon God through His Word that, that is shown by expressing the worth of God. Uh, but he also knows that the greatest obstacle to doing that... Think about this. Think, think about this. This is huge because you and I think, man, boy, Joe, there's a part of me. I want to be pure. But you don't realize how unpure my world is. You don't know how unpure my workplace is. You don't know how unpure my school is. You don't know how unpure the media is. You don't know how unpure the culture is. Well, Daniel knew a thing or two about the impurity of the culture he was planted in. And the biggest impediment to Daniel's life, the biggest impediment to my life, not that I'm downplaying this, the biggest impediment in in our lives to a life of purity that seeks God above everything else is something still percolating around in the deeper vestiges of our own lives. And as sure as we might even gather here and aspire to this morning these resolutions, I resolve to seek the Lord. I resolve to store up the word. I resolve to sing of the worth of God. And those are all wonderful resolutions. And yet, I don't quite fully trust myself yet to keep all those resolutions on my own. I think the psalmist is saying that. He not only has these serious resolutions, but he's got some serious realizations as well. Going back again, now look at verse 10 again, where he says, um, With my whole heart I will seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. Lord, I want to seek you, but Lord, help me. Help me or, or as, as I'm trying to go down this journey of seeking you, I, I, I'm, I'm going I'm to wander off on one side of the ditch or the other. Lord, if, if, if you don't help me stay out of the ditches, I'm going to be in the ditch. Or he says uh, 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 the second realization in, in verse um, uh, 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 11 where he says, I have stored up your word in my heart. That I may not sin against you. Lord, I don't have the innate ability on my own to keep from sinning against you. You're, you're, I, I need to... Oh, really, the imagery here where he says, you're, 
Thy word have I, your word have I stored in my heart. Just the, the imagery here is of, of collecting something uh, t- t- so that you can use its resources or power later. How many of you have, have an Well, does anybody still have an alarm clock? I mean, I used to use your phone. But you, there used to be these things called alarm clocks, and they used to go right by your bed. And, uh, and they used to plug into the wall. And as they plugged into the wall, now just believe me, they used to be these things like this. And, and, but, but then there would usually be like a 9-volt battery inside of there as well. And, and so the 9-volt battery served an important function, that if, uh, if there was a nuclear meltdown in the course of the night, and so all the power grid went down your alarm clock would still go off in the morning because you had backed up, you have, you have power you have backup power well that's the imagery here why why is he wanting to store up god's word in his heart because you know what unless god's word is in my heart i do not have the backup power to keep my heart from sinning against god you know what i just and i don't know may, I, this is more um, anecdotal or more, more of a personal reflection, but I, but I see a direct correspondence in my own life in terms of, of my allurement, enticement to sin and, and the corresponding either um, abundance or lack thereof of word of God in my heart. If, if I go through a week or a season that, that the word of God is, is more consistently taken into my heart and soul, I, I feel stronger in the face of temptation. But if I go for a period of time without as much word of God in my life, I'm, I, I'm just like a, like a feather you could blow over. You know, just boom, there he goes. You know, and, and so in either case, it's, it's, it's not my quote-unquote willpower. Uh, 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 that is left to fend for myself in terms of my, of my uh, enticement to sin. It's, it's the abundance or lack thereof of God's word in my heart and life. And, and then a, a third thing that he realizes that I think is attached there to his statement in verse 12 where he resolves to praise God. Blessed are you, O God, where he says, then teach me your statutes. This third thing he realizes in this these serious assumptions is the serious realization that he needs God to teach him the Word. I, I know a common phrase in our culture today is, I got this. And that's fine. It's a cute phrase. I mean, on the one hand, with as fragile as of a culture we are, it's just like it doesn't take anything for us to, like, flounder and crumble. I mean, there's a sense in which I'm kind of warm to the ideal of man up and realize you got this. But on the other hand, on the other hand, we don't mean I got this, meaning that I am a self-contained unit of all wisdom, knowledge, and expertise for anything related to my walk with God. I am not. If I am to learn any, if I am to discover anything in my walk from uh, walk with the Lord and seeking the Lord, I have to be a simple student of God, and He has to teach me. I, you, and I have to start from the assumption: I don't know much about this. I don't know much about seeking God. God, could you? Could you teach me? 
Right, so those are some serious assumptions. Now, let me briefly touch on, uh, on verses 13 through 16, what I would call uh, uh, satisfying action. So there's a gravity to purity, and there's a gladness to purity. And I think you'll see the mood shift. There are satisfying responses in verses 13, 14, 15, and 16. And there are coupled with those satisfying responses, satisfying reasons. These are activities, not, not, not just assumptions that we resolve and realize, but, but activities that define our responses and explain our motivation or reasons for those responses. Look at verse 13. The psalmist, the psalmist responds where he says there in verse 13, With my lips I will declare all the rules of your mouth. So, I'm going to couple these together. Here's the first response, and here's the first reason. The first response is um, the psalmist responds by verbally recounting God's word. He, he said earlier, thy word have I stored in my heart. Your word have I stored in my heart that I may not sin against you. The, the, God's word should be in our hearts and souls. But guess what he's saying now? But that word that's in our hearts and souls, it must seep out and, and dribble out over our lips and from our mouths. On the one hand, what we speak, Jesus said in the Gospels, is just simply a reflection of what's in our hearts. And, and yet I think it kind of cuts both ways. What we say with our lips also helps to reinforce what is in our hearts. We strengthen our own hearts when we take the word that's in our hearts and we speak that word out loud. Now, that may may mean you just speak it out loud to yourself, but it it probably means you'll speak it out loud to those around you. There there are times, look, not that we want to be haughty or not that we want to be prudish, but there are times when you and I need to, if you would, raise our flag and, and, and demonstrate whose we are, who we belong to, and and whose word uh, is is guiding our lives. And and the reason for wanting to, with his lips, declare God's word is whose, I mean, it's almost redundant here, but he specifically says, with my lips, I will uh, declare all the rules of your mouth. I mean, of all of all of the opinions and, and all of the thoughts that we could collect and receive in our world today, there's only one thought that is eternal and absolute and perfect. There's only one opinion that ultimately matters, and, and that is, what has God said to us about this or that? How has God spoken to us about this or that. And, and when, when, we, when, we, when we speak or declare what God has said, we are, I hope, helping others around us that should be our desire for wanting to do that, but we are also fortifying and strengthening the resolutions of our own hearts. A second response in verses 14 and 15. Uh, the psalmist responds by internally recalling God's word. He says there in verses 14 to 15, 
And here's where you get to see some of the mood shift here from gravity to gladness, from seriousness to satisfying. In the way of your testimonies, I delight as much as in all riches. And then the response, I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. The, the response, the, words, the psalmist says, I, I want to internally recall your words. I, I want to I verbally speak them. That, that was verse 13. But I want to internally recall them. That's really the notion of what meditation consists of. Meditation is you and I, when we mutter or murmur, not murmur meaning complain, but murmur meaning when we just kind of talk to ourselves, uh, when we mull over or when we muse, the word muse just means think, when we, when we think about God's Word. Now, I know when we hear the word meditation, we think, now that's one of those highfalutin religious words, and I'm not an expert at meditation. Oh, yes, we are. You don't have to be a monk who lives in a monastery to know a thing or two about the process of meditation. You and I are skilled, expert meditators. You and I take the thoughts that we have and we play those thoughts over and over and over and over and over. They could be enticing thoughts. They could be discouraging thoughts. They could be embittering thoughts. They could be distracting thoughts. You know what? So much of our life just simply flows out of the meditations of our hearts. The reason why I respond to life in this way or the reason I act out in life this way is in large part it just simply indicates what I'm ruminating upon in my heart and soul. If it's an enticing thought, then I'm more prone to act on that enticement. Or if it's a discouraging thought, then I'm more prone to go into a despair, into a funk. If it's an embittering thought, then I'm more prone to just simply have at least this low-grade or explosive kind of anger. If it's a distracting thought, I don't have the ability to focus. I don't have the ability, as it says, to fix my eyes eyes on God's ways. And what he says about this internally recalling uh, God's word is, 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 he says, in your ways, verse 14, in the way of your testimonies, I delight. He happily recalls God's words. And he gives a reason why. He says, I, I delight in this stuff. Uh, because um, delight, meditating on your, your, your testimonies uh, makes my soul as happy as, as if, if, if I was acquiring lots of riches. See, there's a value statement there, isn't it? He says, like, man, I, I, I get giddy. I get giddy on getting rich. I get giddy on getting rich in God's word, in other words. And then the third thing he mentions uh, in verse uh, 16, where he says, um, I, well, let me just back up. Let me, let me mention a couple of practical things about meditation. Um, we all do it, and, and yet biblical meditation can be, one, can, can be done from one of two trajectories. 
we, we can either take like a portion or a passage of God's word and we can just camp on it. We can just keep thinking about that passage with a view to... Now, based upon what that verse is saying, how does that play out in my life? How does that affect the way I feel? How does that affect the way I speak? How does that affect the way that I act? How does that affect the way I relate to other people? In other words, you, just, you, take, you take the starting point as, as a, 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 something in God's Word, and you just keep churning it over in your head until you see how it works itself out into the practicalities of life. The other way is you take notice of your situation in life and your response to it, and you work backwards. You say, now, I'm... I'm in this situation, and here's how I'm responding to it. What's something from God's Word that could either solidify that I'm thinking about it correctly or that I need to change the way I think about it? So you, you either start with a scripture or a passage, and you work it toward application, or you start with your situation, and you try to link, link the dots, connect the dots. So, uh, here's where I'm living. Here's what's going on with me. What can I, what can I remember? What, what do I recall? What can I see in God's Word that could better inform how I'm supposed to live, think, feel, and relate in that situation? All right. All right. Then, then finally, a, a third satisfying response coupled with, uh, the third satisfying reason. Um, it, again, here's the mood of delight. I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. The psalmist responds by genuinely rejoicing in God's word. Now, that's just a gut check for us. When we think of What's going to make me happy today? Is there any category in our scope of happiness that overlaps or dovetails or is connected to the acquisition of God's Word, the recalling and the remembering of God's Word? And he gives a reason for that when he says in verse 16, I will not forget your word. I think what he's saying here is that the reason I I find so much happiness in your statutes is because, well, I can't afford to forget your word. I mean, here, here, put it this way, here's, here's a... Here's a concept or a notion that's been uh, electrified this, this uh, season in 2020. Um, the word essential. I mean, what businesses are essential? What aspect of life is essential? All of a sudden, we're having to decide, your job's not essential. You know? uh, and, 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 and yet, do you, do you see how what, what I think what the psalmist is trying to say is, when I receive that which is truly essential, man, I not only can't afford to forget that, I actually greatly desire in the acquisition of it. Would your life be any different this week if you had no clue as to what the Scriptures said? Would your life be any different this week um, if, uh, if you gave no thought to God's Word? What the psalmist is saying is, you bet it would in, in a tragic and, and, and horrible ways. I cannot afford to forget your Word And so my heart is happy 
to obtain it and to receive it and to store it up and to read it and to memorize it and to meditate upon it and to see it practically worked out in my life. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for how your word teaches us. Thank you for how your word helps us to know how to seek you and to follow you with all of our heart and soul and strength. And Father, we're grateful most of all that your word teaches us exactly who Jesus is and what he has done for people like us. We're so thankful, Father, that Jesus walked a pure path, died as a perfect sacrifice, and you have raised him from the dead. We're so thankful that Jesus now is the way in which we can journey in a life that seeks you. And so, Father, we pray this morning that as we depart from here, both Christ and your word will be precious to us, each in their own important way, but that we would leave out of here trusting only in Jesus and learning more about Jesus through your holy word. For we pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. If you're able, let's...